as the church, we use the Bible to teach about salvation because we believe the Bible is the Word of God. Our goal here is not to convince you of our own personal ideas or the beliefs of any one church. Rather, we want you to know what the Bible really says about us and how we can be saved. By relying on the Bible, we can have confidence in our salvation. 2 Timothy 3 and 15 says, And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. We can trust the Bible to tell you the truth over and over again. So today we're going to be talking about, is the Bible true? And we're just going to scratch the surface of this topic because it's obviously a very deep topic and there are many men that could dive deeper into this than myself. But I believe the Bible to be the Word of God. And I can tell you that Acts 2.38 is true and that you need to repent of your sins. You need to be baptized in Jesus' name and He'll fill you with the Holy Ghost. But none of that will matter if you don't believe that His Word is true. It all starts with His Word. Do you believe it's true? I believe the answer is yes. Thanks for tuning in to the Noteworthy Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan French. It's going to be a great episode. Thanks for tuning in. Let's go. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited that you're here today. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, In today's episode, we're talking about, is the Bible true? And we're going to see if we can scratch the surface and hopefully answer that question for some listeners that maybe have been contemplating this question in their lives. Anytime you claim something to be an absolute truth, people get skeptical. And that's understandable because we live in a world that is filled with deception, with manipulation, with lies. Guys, I saw this um, this story the other day. It it was a it was a news article I saw on Facebook, and it said the headliner says, "Man poses as Ed Sheeran and sings at church." Uh, Let me see if I can find this. Okay. So it says this, this man, I'm reading it right now, forgive me. This man has convinced three churches in his town that he is Ed Sheeran. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't, I can't deal with this story. Okay. And he has performed the shape of you in front of congregations last weekend. She said, when the pastor was asked why, <laughs> when the pastor was asked why he believed that the real Ed Sheeran would perform for $35 and a sandwich, he thought that Ed Sheeran had fell on tough times. So, okay, I'm reading this story. I'm thinking this is so crazy. And so the Today Show 
uh, well, first of all, my first thought as an apostolic is, okay, so it's weird that somebody posed as Ed Sheeran, but, but hold on a second. Let's just reverse the roles here. What is going on with this pastor and this church that he would open up his platform to somebody to sing this pretty horrible song with pretty terrible lyrics? I'm thinking, what is going on with this church? Like, if Ed Sheeran walked into my church, I'd be like, hey, I'm so glad to have you here. What a privilege, what an honor to have you. Uh, But I wouldn't be like, hey, sing your really inappropriate song on my platform for $35 and a sandwich. So anyways, rant over. But sure enough, the Today Show put this on and the, the anchor is laughing at it and they're all cracking up. It ends up to be... Uh, a fake story. And so there's a later article that says the Today Show has fallen for fake news story about a con man posing as Ed Sheeran. My point being that in the world we live in, we get conned so much. There's so much dishonesty out there that when it comes to the Bible, a lot of times people in the world that have not been raised in the church and they haven't had the revelation of truth for themselves they they can walk into church and they're trying to see if they're being conned. And as apostolics, we have to be able to say, listen, this is the word of God. You can stand on the word of God. This is a sure foundation. And so today we're going to talk about it. The Bible is the truth. This is my statement. Now, you may be hearing me and saying, I don't know if I believe that. I believe that the Bible teaches us that that we were that God created the heavens and the earth in the beginning. God created it all, and I, I don't believe it was a big bang. I don't believe it was evolution. I believe God spoke and here and there was light. He spoke and the waters were separated from the earth. He formed Adam and Eve out of the dust of the ground. This is what I believe. I believe Jesus came, wrapped himself in flesh, died on Calvary, shed his blood so that we could be forgiven. I believe this to be true, and I live my life through the lens of this truth. Over and over again, history and archaeology have shown the Bible to be factual. For example, the Old Testament was completed hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus, yet despite being separated by centuries, the writers of the Old Testament made an astonishing 300-plus prophecies about Jesus, and he fulfilled each one. Many of these prophecies were very, very specific and could not have been fulfilled by just anyone. So today, we're going to just take a little journey, and let's look at some of these prophecies. Is the Bible true? You tell me. Let's let's look together. Okay, so the first prophecy that I want to draw your attention to today is that Jesus Christ would be born in Bethlehem. If you're taking notes, just write these pointers down. If you're teaching a Bible study, and you're trying to talk about the validity of the Bible, the Word of God, these might be some good pointers you might want to jot jot down in your notes app or something that might help you in the future. Micah 5 and 2 says, But you, Bethlehem, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to the ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. 
So that's Old Testament. But then when you go to the New Testament, Matthew 2 and 1. Now, after Jesus was born, where? In Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king. Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Now, I know we tend to only talk about this at Christmas time, but this is a very vital and important prophecy to draw your attention to the fact that it it blows my mind to think about the fact that Scripture literally tells us not only that a Messiah was coming, but it literally puts the GPS on the map and says, this is where he's going to be born. Think about that with me for a moment. That is mind-blowing. My son Judah and my son Ezra were both born in Fayetteville, Georgia. I live in McDonough, Georgia. And even I wasn't 100% sure where they would be born if we couldn't get to Fayetteville on time. And I live less than an hour from there. So in all the world, all the nations, every island, every mountain, every ocean, Micah chapter 5 says, listen, this is where he's going to be born. This, the ruler of Israel, he's, he's from everlasting. He's going to be born in Bethlehem. And sure enough, every Christmas time, we're talking about what, what location are we talking about? Oh, little town of Bethlehem. That's mind-blowing to me. Let's look at another prophecy. Jesus Christ would ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. Zechariah prophesied about this in Zechariah 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey. Guys, this is Old Testament. Let's go to the New Testament. That's you, that's you and me. We're New Testament believers. So we go to Matthew chapter 21, and we see that Jesus sends two disciples on a mission saying, go into the village opposite of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet saying, tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey. Are you, are you hearing the, these mind-blowing details right now? So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt and laid their clothes on them and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. We like to talk about this at Easter time. But here's what I'm trying to tell you. We do things for a reason. 
The church isn't just shouting out Hosanna at Easter time because that's what they want to do. They are literally referencing the Word of God. Every time that your church does an Easter play and they say Hosanna to the Son of David, they're talking about the validity of God's Word, the prophecy that was fulfilled. It says, then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Guys, I need you to understand as the church that when we worship, we worship intentionally. And everything that we do, if, it, if it's not from the word of God, then, then it's a waste of time. But if it is based out of the word of God, then we have a reason. We have a foundation to stand on. And I, know, I feel like maybe I'm talking to somebody who is not a, a church kid. Maybe you, and listen, there are church kids that don't fully understand this. I, I was one of those church kids who had to get revelation for myself as a, as a teenager. And I had to be willing to ask questions. I was raised in this thing and there was so much that I didn't understand. And it wasn't until I was a young teenager that I got this hunger inside of me that says, I want to know why we're doing this. Why are we shouting Hosanna? What, why does he have to be on a donkey? Right? Why, why does this, why does it always depicted this way? Because listen, the Bible is true and the details are true. And when we cut out the details, we cut out the validity of what God was trying to tell us. Jesus literally sent these two disciples on a mission to get a donkey, not because he wanted to be comfortable and not have to walk, but he said, here's why, because of the prophet of old that said I was going to ride in on a donkey. He was saying, listen, I am the Messiah that was prophesied of in the Old Testament. I am. I am the Messiah. And Jesus was very intentional about every act that took place. Maybe you're listening right now and and you're just not quite convinced yet. You know, we've talked about, uh, about a couple of prophecies. Let, let's look at a few more together. Jesus Christ would be betrayed by his friend. This is prophecy. Psalm 41 and 9, Even my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. Matthew 26 and 21 says, now as they were eating. Now, remember, we just read Psalms. It said that, that they will literally be eating bread together. Guys, the Bible pays attention to detail. It says, assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. And each of them began to say unto him, Lord, is it, is it, is it I? And he answered and said, who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. The son of man indeed goes just as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the son of man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. This is some strong language. Then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? And Jesus said unto him, you have said it. Matthew 26 goes on later in verse 47 to say that 
Judas was one of the twelve. And Judas betrays him with a kiss. It's a very dark scene. It's a very depressing scene that somebody could walk so closely with Jesus and betray him. This was a prophecy. Not only does it say that his friend will betray him, but keep keep walking with me for just a moment. Let's continue that prophecy. Prophecy tells us that Jesus Christ would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. Keep in mind, this is hundreds and hundreds of years, this prophecy before it ever took place. Zechariah 11 and 12. Man, I hope I meet Zechariah when I go to heaven because this man was dead on. Then I said to them, if it is agreeable to you, give me my wages. And if not, refrain. So they weighed out for my wages 30 pieces of silver. Guys, this this book, I have a Bible in my hand right now, and I'm just, I'm blown away by this book. But then go with me hundreds of years later to the book of Matthew, and it says, one of the 12, Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and said, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. So from that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. You know, the Bible says that Judas regretted what he did. So much so he tried to take the money back and they said, we don't, we don't want this money in the temple. This is blood money. It's a sad thing. Guys, what, what are you living your life for? Are you living your life for for money, something temporary, some kind of temporary affirmation? Are you living for Jesus? Are you following Jesus? How do you want your story to end? It's a sobering thought. Let's move forward. Jesus Christ would be executed by crucifixion, having his hands and his feet pierced. Now, I'm I'm specifically reading a lot of scripture today and I, I know some of you might not like that. This is a podcast. I don't want to just hear a bunch of scripture. But listen, you can't defend the word of God with. <laughs> okay, let me let me say this a little more articulately. Okay, God's word defends itself. I don't have to elaborate on it and try to convince you that it's true. This book proves itself. Somebody just recently told me on the podcast that I don't need to defend God's word. God's word defends me. It, it defends itself by reading this book. If, if you will open this book, there is irrefutable proof that this word is true. Zechariah 12 and 10, and I will pour on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and supplication that they will look on me whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. Psalm 22 and 16, for dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands 
and my feet. And then we go to Matthew and we see that they crucified him. They divided his garments. And we can see in John chapter 19 that one of the soldiers pierced his side with the spear. And immediately the blood and water came out. And and he has seen, has testified, and his testimony is true. And we can see that that they looked at him. They looked on him whom they pierced. It was literally prophesied that his hands and his feet and his side would be pierced. As I'm bringing this thing in for a landing, I, I want you to just think about this with me. And I'm, I'm thankful you've gone on this journey with me today. But more than 300 messianic prophecies like this were made in the Old Testament. And we only talked about five of them. And they, will, they were fulfilled through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. The chances of one person fulfilling a mere eight of those prophecies are one in 100,000 billion. For one person to fulfill 48 of these prophecies, the number becomes staggering. One chance in 10 to the 175th power. Add to that the 250 other prophecies, and it becomes impossible for any other person except Jesus Christ to ever fit that particular sequence of time and events. I want to thank UPCI Youth Ministries for those statistics right there from their series called The Gospel. You should read it and look it up if you're a youth pastor. It's a great series. If the Bible was able to predict the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and Easter's coming up, guys, we're going to be celebrating this, we need to understand what we're celebrating. It's more than a feeling. It's more than an emotion. It is the Word of God. With this type of staggering accuracy, centuries before anything happened, it must be a book inspired by God. It's humanly impossible to merely imagine prophecies like this and have them all completely fulfilled in the life of one man. Seeing then that the Bible has demonstrated to be inspired of God, Paul was absolutely 100% correct when he said it was profitable for teaching, rebuke, correction, and instruction on how to live a right life. This also means what it says about the human condition, even the state of our own heart, must also be true. We must be open to receiving this truth and honest enough to confront the reality of our own hearts so we may receive the love and salvation of Jesus Christ. Now, this is a lot of information. And maybe you need to picture yourself spending an entire day inside of a dark room and you walk outside and that light hits you and it hurts your eyes. Sometimes the word of God is like that. It's it's a light. It's a light. And when it hits you and you've been in, a, in darkness for a long time, it might hurt a little bit. But I want you to know that that's okay. Let the word of God adjust your eyes. Let it adjust your heart and your mind. Let everything you do be filtered through this word, and you will have a successful life 
in Jesus Christ. Guys, I'm so thankful that you tuned into the episode today. I feel honored and I feel privileged to get to be a part of your week every week. The podcast is doing really well, not because of me, but because of you guys for tuning in and listening. I was excited last week that um, Noteworthy was in the top 200 uh, religion and spirituality podcast, which was really exciting, even in Canada, which I thought was crazy. Thanks to all of our Canadian friends. If you're looking for a good apostolic Canadian podcast, I want to refer you to The Restorationist with host brother Adam Shaw. And then you've got The Spirited Podcast by our friend and fellow recording artist, Melanie Young. So be sure to go uh, check them out, support them, and I know that they're just going to be blessed by that. Thank you guys for listening. It means the world that you do. Is the Bible true? I believe that the answer is yes, and I'm going to live my life standing on that foundation. I love you guys. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week on the Noteworthy Podcast. Thank you.